Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy it with the sh- or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. Say positive things about us on Twitter and Facebook. Pause what you're doing and give us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylay and join our Facebook discussion group. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother Chris, a priest. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Having a good week, Kirk. How about you? Here's what I want to know about. Good, because you got the, the mid coffee swig. How's the new shower? How's the new shower? Uh, the new shower is great. I showered at least twice this week, so I uh, can report back to you. I'm just kidding. That that joke didn't land as well as it did the first time in pre-show. I forced it. Uh, the shower has been great. It's, we had to allow the grout and the sealer seven days to cure. Um, and that seven day elapsed between the last time you and I spoke and today. So I think I think two days ago, I started showering. Uh, it's It's funny. There you go now. And you weren't even kidding. And I wasn't even kidding. That's right. You started showering two days ago. Congratulations. <laughs> I bet everyone in your house is happy. Okay, so... Uh, olfactory fatigue um, sets on after a couple of days, and so everyone kind of stops noticing in your house. It's great. For the listener's benefit, there is another shower in the house that they've been using well. <laughs> it cured. Okay. That, that is a, a small yet important detail. Indeed. That's right. That's right. Otherwise, we'd have to take sponge baths. So I, my I, daughter I... very cutely calls a smudge bath, but... <laughs> Or as we call at the cabin, a dock bath. Yes. But we don't really Kirk. have the means of dock baths here. I guess that would be a driveway bath for us here. And that just is not, I don't know. Not going to okay. happen. <laughs> I want to get back to, uh, I saw a picture of your shower head. It looks great. But until yes. you actually run water through there, how, how was it? Uh, well, okay. So two responses to that. Number one, uh, over the course of the years and then as decades elapse, um, fixture and just general kind of kitchen and bath technology does make genuine improvements and mm-hmm. kind of an understanding of what, what creates like a, a pleasant sink or toilet or shower experience. Like there have been advancements in those things. And uh, when you have a, um, a bathroom that is really a, uh, really would have made a lovely set for a 1974 movie, which is basically what our bathroom was, right? Like I had a, a particular 1970s hue of green. It even had kind of short hair, not short hair, short hair. Uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Low pile carpet, which- Gotta got love carpet in a bathroom. Carpet in a bathroom, that the 70s must've been a heck of a time. Uh, so 
there were a bunch of a bunch of different things that that we we upgraded in, and one of them, you're right, is um, is the shower fixture. It's now like legitimately above me, and just the way it. <laughs> oh, so it was, it was low before. Oh, that's it annoying. Was low. Oh yeah. my goodness. And the way it distributes water, it's just very satisfying. Um, shower curtains now um, are bowed out, so you're not like elbowing mm. the shower curtain mm. when you like kind of you know bend over to like wash your feet. Or, or do you remember there's there's a thing in certain showers that i don't know if it was that the tub wasn't very big and the in the with the curtain just without the curved rod that goes out yeah yeah um when you turn on the shower like the shower curtain would attack you it would just like <laughs> like there's something with the air pressure it would right. just like it would immediately get sucked in yeah yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was a, that's terrible and right yeah. Yeah. right i mean we were sending men to the moon in 1969 and yet your shower curtain would be stuck to your skin 23 yep. seconds into a shower yeah that's another example of how we hold the Apollo project against like every technological failure in the last 50 years. But, but ev everything- You can send a man to the moon, but we can't fill in the blank. Right. Yeah, we can't have a okay, proper shower. But this curtain. is, but the shower, but the shower is great. It's everything mm -hmm. you hope to would be. Um, With, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't realize it's been so long. Like I didn't realize just that it was the low shower head. That, that's huh. the worst. I mean, we're not particularly tall, Kirk. You and I are the same height. We're about six feet. Mm -hmm. um, but, but still the fact that you have to kind of bend over to, to wash your hair is kind of- It was a, it was a penitential shower. Yeah. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was always Lent in our shower. Okay. Um, <laughs> one last, I just want to say this before we move on. Uh, you talked about um, an improved shower experience, but also an improved sink experience. Mm. We, we, we should have a segment at some point in the future about how technology has improved our sink experience. But um, yeah, but I, think, I think you have something else going on in, in uh, the Shire. What yeah. else is going on? Yeah, yes, we, yes, we do. Uh, I mean, let me just finish my, my shower thought, uh, oh, okay. which is uh, we, we, still have, we still have a fixture issue. Um, oh, Moen, yeah. Moen. Uh, is that how you say their name? Moan, Moan? I think so. I think it's Moan. I think so. Um, they called my wife and um, and uh, and apologized and are sending us uh, um, new new fixtures. We had <laughs> the basement like it was leaking from the hot water or wait oh. no the cold water uh, um, faucet, which was very trendy retro. It looked like straight from like very Art Deco. It was it was I don't know I don't know the exact era. It looked great. Um, once you turned the cold water on, it didn't turn off. Oh and my. so it, it was like leaking down into the basement back behind. And um, and so they they were very so, properly apologetic. And so Mr. Mr. Moen called and was like, I'm going to send you a new. That's right. I mean, how did they like, you must have complained or something. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Right. Yeah. And that was my um, wife that fell in that grenade and and spent time on hold and whatever. But as a result, we have Erzat's fixtures. We have some old fixtures hot and cold water fixtures on there, which um, I've been exhorted How? to not turn the cold water on too eagerly or vigorously, lest it get stuck on again. I mean, so. how can you have a pleasant shower though with, with old fixtures? That's just, I mean, hey, who could, who could abide such disaster. things? Yes, yeah. For those those 3.7 seconds combined that you spend turning the water <laughs> on and off, just, um, that you're filled with rage, frankly, you know, how, how how can one live this way? But but I'm I'm struggling through. I'm, I'm somehow struggling. You, you, you're managing well, Kirk. I remember my, uh, you know, what we're talking about is a fairly mundane thing, is yes. showering. But like, <laughs> I got to be honest. Like a bad shower experience is in a good one. Like when you actually <laughs> endure them, uh, it it makes a difference. And I remember the best shower that I ever had it was our it was our not our it was our first apartment that we had when we were married. We only were there a few months. 
the shower head was amazing. It was like a like a legit massage. Like it it, it provided water at such a volume and such pressure that um, it was it was a genuinely enjoyable experience for about three and a half minutes. <laughs> now the problem the problem was that I think it it just you know, th- there's a joke about the low flow that the big cities would have. You right. Know, they would come in and put in low flow. Like this was such high flow that I think that the, the, that the, that was the hot water. That was the, yeah. Like that probably the apartment hot water heater was not maybe a, a regular house one could, could keep up, but not the little apartment one. And so uh, it just, you could not have a regular length shower. Um, So it, was, it would be like, Oh, luxurious, luxury, luxury, luxury. And then, you'd you'd feel it start to get cold and then you'd have to wrap things up in a hurry. Well, you put me in mind of of two notable shower characteristics of my youth. Number one, do you remember my shower situation in the first apartment I had after college? Yes. (laughs) Would you, would you like to tell the reader about uh, my shower situation? I, this, this is the reader. I mean, we're, we're getting vulnerable here, Kirk. Um, so I'll, I'll just talk about the shower situation and not the rest of the apartment situation. We didn't ask about the rest of the apartment. That can be a topic for another, <laughs> for another day. Um, and we could talk also another day about your subsequent ap- apartment where you lived there three years, I think. And uh, you lived there three years without owning either a vacuum cleaner or a broom. But let's stick with your first apartment. Um, you didn't have a shower curtain. So you just huddled like, <laughs> like, a, like, a, I, I don't even know what the simile is here. I prefer to think of it as a European shower. <laughs> Very economical. Now, now with these luxuriant, kind of... wasteful American shower curtains that spread unnecessarily all across the entire width of the bath bathtub. Instead, you just kind of pointed it one direction and huddled and, and tried I mean, not all to the get things, Christopher, I didn't understand about life. It had just never occurred to me when you move into a place, you need a shower curtain. And so, uh, you know, I just like the first shower that first night, I'm like, ah, what do I do now? Okay, well, I guess I'll have to shower without it. And then one day became another day, became another day. And then like, it just kind of like had this slow, undignified slide into normalcy, like where this became kind of the pattern. Was it a good situation? No. Um, is it evidence that 23 year old men are essentially savages? Yes. Um, the second <laughs> fun shower fact was, um, I guess I, I didn't, many people, and I, I've kind of slid into this view, a good shower and a good bath is like one of the great d- delights of life. Like not only do you feel fresh and clean afterwards, but like it's, it's warm. You get like the water around you. It just feels great. And I, um, I was kind of in the other category of like, it's just kind of, a necessary part of your daily routine. Like, just get it done. Just get it done. It never occurred to me to think of it as, as pleasurable or relaxing or whatever. And so uh, I guess I was notorious for, quote, Kirk showers. Um, to one point, we were hanging out with um, one of our college friends who, in his mind, 23 seconds ago, I'd gotten into the shower and came out. And he's just like marveled. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's Kirk. Give him a two-second shower. Yeah, um, but I, think I mean, when, I, when your number one concern is getting water all over the bathroom floor because you have no curtain, I mean, you just <laughs> you, you be as efficient as possible. Do you remember our mother? Uh, I don't know if it was a throwaway, throwaway line, um, but I fixated on it for a couple of years. I remember as a kid, she said, oh, yeah, Navy showers. You get 
you get, you know, 120 seconds of water and that's it. That's what you get, right? Like if you're on a ship, uh, water is, 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 is very limited, right? Um, and I, and it was our uncle John in the Navy. In any case, I was fixing. I mean, this. bizarre. Cause you're surrounded by it, but yeah, sure. <laughs> salt water, which that was a whole other thing. And, uh, do you remember reading in the Horatio Hornblower novels, um, how, uh, the, how the shower used to work? It was literally just pumped up from the ocean. So like, if you were in the Baltic sea, a shower was like a 37 degree experience and Hornblower like enjoyed like hearing like the hootings of, uh, of, of the men as like, they were like hit with like jets of like Baltic sea water. But anyhow, um, I would like scream up from our basement shower in Verndale, like counting the seconds to prove that I had uh, taken a proper naval shower in under two minutes. Yeah. No, here, you asked for- Kirk, uh, They said we couldn't do it, but we just did 15 minutes on showers. <laughs> they yes. said we couldn't do it and we just proved them wrong. We did. We, we, we did, we did, we did prove them wrong. We did prove them wrong. Um, no, I've never entered a, a shower triumphantly, um, but I know that our Lord has made a triumphal entry or two. This week's gospel reading comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. Some of them standing there said, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday of the triumphal entry as Jesus had set his face on Jerusalem and here he is entering to experience the last week of his life. And this is rich with prophecy. 
we have the interesting Jedi mind trick uh, is, is the only <laughs> way I kind of think of it uh, because it's, it's a little bit mysterious that... <laughs> So for anybody who's unfamiliar with with Star Wars, uh, a Jedi can kind of wave his hand while he says something. And essentially the other person will, the person who, the wavy, kind of abides by it. Um, And so early on in the first Star Wars movie, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, these are not the droids you're looking for. And the weak-minded says, these are not the droids we are looking for. And so here we see this mysterious, uh, Jesus actually prepares them. uh, And you know, if, if anyone asks, like, why are you stealing my colt or what, like, what are you doing with it? Um, they, they've got a response they say, and for whatever reason, this is effective. Now, this, this may mean that Jesus had some prior contact with these people. We don't know. Um, there's some people who kind of theorize that. Uh, we don't know. There are many mysterious things in, in scripture that scholars kind of have throughout some potential ideas, but there is a lot here that we do know that is the fulfillment of prophecy. And um, that, in fact, is, is um, so the word they use for cult, it, it doesn't necessarily disagree with um, other gospel writers who say donkey. Uh, but, but what this emphasizes is uh, it's not a, a battle stallion. This is a very meek entry. And yet, and yet the people are looking for a Davidic Messiah, um, a warrior Messiah who's going to make Israel great again. And I should probably stop using that term because that sounds a lot like make America great again. And I don't want to slide into politics, but that's essentially what they're looking for. Right. I the- mean, I think, I think it, it, it helps people understand the impulse without either slandering it or glorifying it. It's an understandable impulse. Right. And I think that's what you're getting at. And that's fair. Yeah. And, and again, think about, think about God's people, um, the way that they had seen the Lord provide and save his people. Mm-hmm. They saw uh, him watch over his people in Egypt um, and deliver them from slavery. They saw him deliver them into the promised land. Uh, they saw him preserve the nation in, uh, you know, in the book of Esther, we have, you know, the people in Persia and God preserves his people and they, um, the, the feast of Purim, uh, was a remembrance of this and, and many of their feasts. So um, Hanukkah is a feast that uh, is is a, a a remembrance of of a, I I got ahead of myself. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about Hanukkah shortly. But w- w- what we see is 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 that God's people. Again and again and again, God, see God preserve them and save them, and, and and God act on their behalf. And so their subjugation by the Romans, they thought was something that God would save them from. That's what the Davidic Messiah was for. So they had seen, um, they they had seen, uh, and again, God's people, <laughs> the the Jews saw God's providence and God's work way more powerfully than we do. They, they, they saw all things as, as coming from God. So when uh, when Judas Maccabeus, um, when Judas Maccabees uh, defeated Antiochus Epiphanes um, and led to, uh, so the Syrian invader, when he uh, kicked him out, these outside Syrian invaders and reigned for a hundred years, not, not Judas, but like this Maccabean um sort of dynasty for a hundred years, they saw this as God's action. And that is what's, rem- uh, what's remembered in the feast of Hanukkah um, is, is, is this. And the tie in here is that uh, Judas Maccabees was welcomed uh, 
with palm branches. They waved palm branches as uh, as as he came into the city. So the, um, there there are historic tie tie-ins here. So the throwing the cloaks down on the road um, goes back to Second Kings and and the uh, uh, anointing and welcome of King Jehu, and then the the palm branches, the waving of palm branches were a a remembrance of what what uh, the Lord did in delivering them from uh, the Syrian, um, just a horrible pagan uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. And uh, they're looking for the same thing here. And so as they shout Hosanna, you know, we think of Hosanna as like, as, as like praise God. But in fact, it was, Hosanna means God save us, save us. Um, what they're looking for is salvation, not necessarily from their sins, although uh, as a careful reader of scripture, you'll remember it, it, at the beginning of the book of Matthew, and you'll name him Jesus, for he will save you from your sins. Um, can 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 I can I pause you for for just a moment sure, and sure. Um, highlight that you're making such an important point, um, which I've never heard ever in my life. So many people love to point out, quite rightly, um, that uh, the disciples and and almost everybody who is listening to Jesus was missing the point in thinking. Um, that that he was going to be um, initiate some sort of political or cultural um, revolution against against Rome, um, but you just made an interesting point, which is that was not a ridiculous hope because it had happened in living memory, <laughs> and especially on our Protestant side of things, where we kind of have 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 chopped out um, these books, First and Second Maccabees, maybe we don't know this or we forget this that there really had been a moment when Israel had successfully overthrown her oppressors, her pagan oppressors, right? Indeed. So there was precedent and there was reason for hope. Um, this wasn't a ridiculous, preposterous. I think sometimes we like like to smile or chuckle at the disciples for hoping for these things, right? And maybe- Oh, uh, we're so much wiser yeah, now, yeah, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So No, I think- if Thank we, you we for pointing shoes, that out. <laughs> we were in their shoes, uh, we would have been in the same place, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah. Um, that we would have looked for God to, to, to act, to, to rid us. Like think about we living pray under... the same thing. God actually act in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> so many Psalms lived, are about that. <laughs> if we lived um, under the subjugation of a foreign uh, yeah. oppressor, like we and would, obviously pagan oppressor. Yeah. Yeah. We would probably join a resistance and we would pray for the Lord to help us to, to we would pray for justice. Uh, and, and, and Christians, yeah, be absolutely believe that God acts in this world to bring about justice. So, mm -hmm. so let's not, yeah, let's not um, be too hard on them. But also last week, our, uh, our Old Testament reading was from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, uh, which kind of in light of what Jesus did and, and the life of Jesus, um, is that I will uh, make a new covenant and it won't be like the old covenant. And so that's what Jesus is doing here is he is bringing this new covenant. He's going to write his law in their hearts. And, um, and, and this new covenant, um, he will uh, forgive them. Uh, Kirk, what, what is uh, Jeremiah 31 through 34? There's something there about forgiving, forgiveness of sins and, and, and separating them, right? Uh, I can effort that. <laughs> uh, you effort that so we can actually yes. um, ha have that reference. Uh, it's not yes. coming to my mind. So, yeah. so, so anyway, but, but Jesus is doing what he can to, to indicate that he is a different sort of king, ushering in a different sort of kingdom um, by coming in on a cult. And through his ministry, he's, he's certainly done this. Uh, he's, he, he's taught this. Um, but, but there is, is um, still the misapprehension. Of, and and uh, I think we're, 
later in, in our theology segment, we're going to talk about Holy Week and how uh, um, and and how these essentially these same people who who gathered to welcome Jesus were likely the same ones who called for his death, uh, who who said, "Give us Barabbas." And it's important to, to think about, like, I remember as a kid kind of hearing that Jer Barabbas was a criminal. Uh, Barabbas was an insurrectionist. Um, that's why the people wanted Barabbas, uh, because he was he was someone who kind of stuck it to the Romans. And um, this idea of Jesus taking the low road, our, our epistle reading this Sunday, is, is um, from uh, Philippians 2, the Christ hymn, about how Jesus... Uh, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead um, emptied himself, um, taking the form of a servant, and chose the way of the cross. And, and Kirk, the the overwhelming emphasis I have seen in the scripture readings this Lent is this this way of the cross of of choosing the low low way. And certainly, as he enters Jerusalem, this is the way that he enters. It's not in the way uh, his kingdom comes in in a totally unexpected way. And and so the theme of my sermon is going to be how how Jesus um, that 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 he defies our expectations. That that, that we tend to. Uh, put maybe our expectations on Jesus and, and Jesus says, no, 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 I'm doing something different. And um, certainly that is, is, is what he's doing here. The people say, um, you know, you're going to um, be a conquering King. And I think I've, I've mentioned this before um, the wonderful movie uh, Sony animation came out with uh, the star, um, which is a nativity yeah. uh, story, animated story, how this, this um, lowly donkey works in this mill and Isn't drew... Eddie Murphy the voice of the donkey? You're thinking of Shrek. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> I don't recall who the voice is. Maybe that's something you can effort as well. Don't um, care. All right, go ahead. Continue. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry to derail what was otherwise a really profound and pious thought. Continue. So the profound and pious thought is is this. Um, that, that this donkey who never even really saw the outside. Uh, he just like walked in circles at, at a mill grinding grain up, um, dreamt of being part of the Royal procession, which is a, a bizarre and vain thought for a donkey. Like he's not a stallion, um, but uh, he dreamed of being in a Royal procession. And I think at one point he got a glimpse of a Royal procession. Oh, it was great. You know, uh, just the pomp and, and uh, beauty of, of, carrying a king or at the very least being in a procession that, that has a king only the most beautiful animals um decked out it's a beautiful thing and instead uh what happens is he gets away and, and somehow ends up carrying mary to bethlehem as um as we know caesar augustus called for uh, uh, the world to be enrolled he called for a census and the, the uh irony of it is that all his life he had wanted to be in a royal procession and in fact he was as in a royal procession. It just wasn't what he expected. That Jesus, who took the lowly route, um, that this that this humble teenager Mary, that he bore her. It's just the royal procession looked a lot different than he thought. It wasn't the one with, you know, with gold and and, and the greatest fashion, but it in fact was a, was this anonymous, unknown at the time, uh, teenage uh, uh, wife of Joseph. It's carpenter. funny you mentioned that because we're recording today on Thursday. 
um, which is the Feast of the Annunciation, mm. um, March 25th being nine months from December 25th. So, uh, and I mean, salvation history begins in a quiet corner with a teenage girl with a secret. Um, not not in the expected places where the wise men are searching for it, right? In Herod's palace. Yes, yeah. They go to the <laughs> palace. They don't yeah. expect it to be this, uh, this anonymous girl, yeah. And likewise here, the, the it's appropriate that it's a colt, right? A donkey, mm-hmm. yeah. But I derailed your thought. I, I hijacked you did not. your thought. I, I concluded. Um, baton passed. Did you find Jeremiah 31? I did. I did. And I skimmed through it. So perhaps I didn't I didn't give okay. it um, its full due. However, it seems like a hundred proof law and condemnation. I wasn't finding okay. much in the way of promises so it's of just, redemption. It's just, it's just about <laughs> a new covenant and it, how it, it will be written on our hearts. Okay. All right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, it's, it's worth, Christopher, I think, tying in uh, Psalm 118, which is the psalm um, that, uh, that, that, is, that is cited here, right? Um, and it was a, a psalm of ascent, which you could probably um, more, more accurately and more learnedly kind of um, say, say a few words about what the psalms of ascent are. So maybe please interrupt me if I, if I mischaracterize or if I leave anything out. But on these... Um, on these feasts, on these temple feasts that happened at Jerusalem, right? Like um, Passover, uh, Feast of Booths. Uh, what what other feasts um, were were tabernacles? Jews? Tabernacles, yeah. Um, as you, it's you're walking to Jerusalem, right? So if you were, especially a, a family from Galilee. So so technically, there there, there are three pro- pilgrimage feasts. Okay. Um, I don't yeah. know if everyone, you know, I, I said a few weeks ago, like I don't know how often they would go, like, right. but. And I don't know what the expectations were. Was there provision in the law to be like, well, like do kind of like um, every Muslim must go to Mecca once in a lifetime, right? If you can, like, there's there's a little bit of like leeway. Like, if, if it's absolutely impossible, then okay, whatever. Um, that pillar of Islam is there, there's some leniency, but like there, ideally, three pilgrimage feasts every year for three times a year, you you make the yeah. trip to Jerusalem. and not to get stuck in the weeds, but that would be interesting to to look into a little bit or to read about is what kind of. What kind of piety was how many how many times would a, a middle class Jew or the right. equivalent thereof in Galilee go to Jerusalem for one of these pilgrimage feasts in their life? How many times a year? How many times a decade? I'm curious about that. In any case, um, you would sing these Psalms of Ascent, which Christopher are they? What is it? One eighteen through one twenty six. Um, these are great. Wow, some of them are one eight one nineteen is super long, right? It's the longest Psalm, and then some of them are really really short. Um, some of them. Uh, a lot of us know really well, like Psalm 121. Um, I look up to the, my eyes look up to the hills from whence- I lift my eyes up. To the hills from whence did my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Um, uh, but this one that is that is associated with um, with Palm Sunday is Psalm 118. And there's, a, it, it is really, I mean, as you read it, it there, there are times when I read it, Christopher, where it, it is- um, this is an abused phrase, right? It gives me chills, but it does give me chills sometimes. Um, the prophetic nature of it is quite remarkable. So I won't read the whole thing. Um, and as I was telling you beforehand, Christopher, um, the, the website that you and I use, the, the ACNA, the Anglican Liturgical Calendar website, it, we think either I didn't notice or it added a traditional English tab. So I, I, I hit the, the link for the Psalm of, 
of the day, Psalm 118, and it sent me to the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. So this is great. In any case, open me the gates of righteousness that I may go into them and give thanks unto the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter into it. Um, and I'll skip ahead to verse uh, to, the, to verse 22 because the, it began at verse 19. This same stone, which the builders refused, is become the headstone in the corner, right? And this is quoted um, in uh, at the Pentecost, at Peter's um, Peter's sermon at Pentecost, right? Doesn't he say this? Um, he quotes this this psalm back to the Jews, right? Um, this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's a much sung and quoted verse. Uh, and then we get, let's go down to verse 27. God is the Lord who hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, yea, even unto the horns of the altar. Um, which that is surely prophetic of Good Friday, right? Um, so we have the sense that Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday, as we see on this Sunday, um, and this Psalm of Ascent, which the Jews would have been singing as they as they see Jerusalem on the hill above them. They're excited. There's the anticipation growing. We're getting close. Um, so they this Psalm would have had a lot of mental and emotional associations with this feast, um, with Passover. And yet, um, for us now, it has this association with Palm Sunday. And yet, by the time we get to the end of it, we have our minds are called to Good Friday. Because for us, who is our sacrifice that is bound to the horns of the altar? It will be Jesus, who will, by the end of the week, be bound to the cross, right? Which is our great and, and true and final altar. Yeah. So I love that. So as we're, um, you know, as we're reading this, on Palm Sunday, kind of keep that in mind. So that was that was uh, Christopher. You 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 had you had a look on your face as if you had more to say about Psalm one eighteen. Nope. No, just, you're just 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 a look, <laughs> just a look, just a look. Um, and this is Christopher. I'm not the first nor the last person to kind of think this, but I think it every time. Um, surely some of these same people who are waving palm branches, um. And, and cheering Jesus as he, as he enters triumphally um, and who are singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming, coming kingdom of our father, David, Hosanna in the highest. Surely some, maybe many of these same people will later be crying out for, uh, for Barabbas, give us Barabbas several days later. Or in Matthew's gospel, May his blood be upon us and on our descendants. Yeah, um, and Kirk, we get a liturgical <laughs> reminder of this, that um, the, the palms that we use this year uh, will be kept yeah. and, and burned and rubbed on our foreheads as, as kind of this reminder of, of our humanity, of our frailty, of our sin. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's I mean, that's so fitting, right? Um, we... Had we been in Jerusalem, there, there are good odds, I don't know, a coin flip, odds of a coin flip, that we would have been in the same position, right? Following the crowds. I mean, we all, in our own ways, follow crowds. Yeah. Um, any, other, any other thoughts on this, Christopher, before uh, we, we pivot to theology? Because we have kind of a, a rich cornucopia of theological delicacies. To yeah, I, I will um, essentially 
conclude with a segue um, to All our right. segment. And so the segue is this: is it, it's um, it's interesting that this service is uh, is actually kind of a combination of mm. of Palm Sunday and uh, essentially Holy Week. Um, and it's it's because we aren't, you know, we've talked about how uh, it's uncommon now for people to go to church midweek. Uh, and so there are some churches that, that stand athwart this and do just the liturgy of the palms and don't do the passion reading. But this is like Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday, where yep. um, it is also typical um, to not just do um, Palm Sunday, but also to read the whole passion text. And so it's year B, we will read the, the passion text from Mark and um that, that's something that we, we will do kirk um i'm sure that that you guys will as well yes yeah. some are like nope we're not doing that come back on thursday we're gonna do you know or we're gonna do thursday night on thursday and then friday night we'll do you know good friday we'll do friday um but uh so so um i, 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 I even think i would say even more i i would say that's not just kind of like uh, like an accident of the day but um but that whiplash is hmm. is devotionally really important Sure. Uh, to press our face to the hardwood of the cross and to give us a sense of the whiplash for Jesus and his disciples within the week, how quickly sure. and dramatically things changed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a feature, not a bug, I would say, of the Palm Sunday okay. literature. Well, I mean, there are some purists who are like, no, 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 this is like Palm Sunday is Palm Sunday and, and nothing else. So with, yeah. with that said, let's let us um, transition to Holy Week. So as, as you said, Kirk, uh, in combining the same service is, is the triumphal entry, which is, at, we don't get much time to bask in that. <laughs> but the basking uh, is wonderful. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I, uh, our cathedral church in our diocese, they have a wonderful like minute and 10 second video of uh, explaining an uh, Palm, what Palm Sunday is, and essentially inviting people to 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 come to the service at their uh, at the church for Palm Sunday, and it is a beautiful thing to watch, Kirk. It is it is beautiful, like to see the the and there's just this horde of children waving palm branches and um and and dancing and the bishops you know uh just decked out as as bishops are wont to do and he's kind of leading the kids in in this joyous worship and i i kind of um i kind of coach our people um because it's it's a little bit odd um you have to you can you have to kind of explain like what it is that we're doing like no we're we're not like pretending joy like 
we are glad we are celebrating Christ's entry in all that that means, Kirk. Um, it is yeah. exciting knowing what he is going to do, that he is the king who will choose, who chose the path of the cross. Um, and, and so for that reason, like the, the passion is part of this service. And, and so like there is legitimate joy as we wave our palm branches and sing all glory, lot and honor. Mm. Um, and, and and it's it's not like simulated joy. It is true joy as we wave those palm branches. But it's also something that needs to be learned, Kirk. And um, we talk about in in liturgical worship how some things are more easily caught than taught. And this is kind of one of those things. Like we can talk joy, we can talk uh, celebration, uh, but sometimes you go through the motions before you quite get it. And so we kind of do that, and then we make uh, the transition to the passion. And so. Holy Week, um, uh, I think you have a lot to say about time slowing down. Um, so okay, before we leave Palm Sunday, yeah. can I just say yeah. a couple of things? Yes. Um, th the very nature of that hymn, All Glory, Lot, and Honor, there's something that it does. Uh, this is a happy historical accident that makes it so celebratory. And it's because, especially if you sing it in C, not B flat, it has so many high E's. And if you're not a musician, you'll still have the sensation that a lot of that is asking you to sing at the upper end of your register, maybe beyond the upper end of your register. And so it, by the very nature of the hymn, you have to bellow it, right? And um, it is, it, it, so it, it, it tricks us all <laughs> by, by the register that it's written in, into singing, um, and uh, the translation, John Mason Neal's translation of the, of the Latin is just so great. Uh, the company of angels are praising thee on high, and mortal men and all things created make reply. Um, to thee before thy passion they sang their hymns of praise. To thee now high exalted our melody we raise. Um, it's just so celebratory and soaked in praise. Um, and it's, it's great. And I know you and I grew up with um, singing Hosanna, loud Hosanna, which is which is good and fun. And it's a fun tune. It's a diff different tune in a different text. But there's yeah. something about that, which is like, it's sort of like Anglican heresy to not sing all glory, loud and honor of St. Yeah. which is just wonderful. Um, and there's another hymn uh, that we sing as well, which in the Episcopal hymnal is set to a, just a, an almost unsingable tune. I, I actually uh, accidentally provoked a Twitter fight um, last year uh, say, saying this, but um, to kind of a more traditional tune that we sing it to, right on, right on in majesty um, is, is, is another, another hymn, Christopher, that's just, uh, let me read this to you, right on, right on in majesty, hark all the tribes Hosanna cry, oh, Savior meek pursue your road with palms and scattered garments strode. And the second verse, right on, right on in majesty in lowly pomp, Ride on to die. O Christ, your triumphs now begin, or captive death and conquered sin. And this, the subsequent verses go on to capture just profoundly in hair-raising fashion the whiplash nature of Palm Sunday, right? Ride on in majesty, ride on to die. <laughs> yeah. All right. Back, back to you as you were beginning to talk about Holy Week. I mean, if, if we were to, to, to really go into detail, we would talk about Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, which have their mm -hmm. own um, collect and theme to them. Um, but, but we're not going to talk much about that today. So um, uh, Monday, Thursday is, is the, the can next we just, kind of- Can we just yeah. exhort people, if, if you have daily prayers or daily devotions, 
um, check out those propers and we can we can link it here in the show notes. There are specific readings, Old Testament and New Testament lessons and Psalms and and prayers. So you don't have to save the world and, you know, sure. do something an hour long that day. But if you have, you know, 15 minutes, there are lessons for that day. And it gives you it reminds you that you are in Holy Week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then so Monday Thursday, we call it Monday Thursday. I believe Catholics call it Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the word we use Monday, um, as grew up in the Methodist church, we called it Monday Thursday, um, comes from a Latin word, uh, which is, com- which is the word command. Uh, Jesus says a new commandment to give you love one another. Mandatum novum. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, we have, uh, just a humble act of Jesus, washing the feet of his disciples. Um, so he told them like a new commandment. I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must also love one another. Uh, I mean, let's not skim over that. Right. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably somewhat involved online and you've probably seen Christians uh, treat each other really poorly online. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's because we feel superior because we have the better ideas. We have the right That's ideas. Right. And so we kind of um, are, are, you, are. You get to be mean if you're correct, right? Yeah. And, and so um, to, t- to take that seriously, this idea of, of loving one another um, in, in a Christ-like way, in a sacrificial way. And then Jesus, um, who never shirked from walking the walk, um, did did a, a servant's a humble servant's work of of washing the the dirty feet of his disciples and it, it shouldn't be glazed over that um, in this culture they wore sandals that like your feet were dirty <laughs> walking on on dusty streets and so this I mean this was a humble work because it was dirty work um, and and yet this is what Jesus took up. Christopher, um, what did what did um, Peter say when uh, Jesus asked to wash his feet? Well, he objected. Yeah, um, yeah, and and why don't you tell us, Kirk? <laughs> well, you no, said I... you, you have no part. <laughs> yes, you may have no part in me. Um, yeah, Jesus says you must let me wash you. Um, the 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 very servant nature of the gospel is so richly, beautifully, touchingly, lovingly laid out here. Um, that we must let Jesus wash us. We have a God who is a servant of all and who, who sets that example there, yeah. And then in very Peter fashion, he, he says, replies back something like, all right, then wash all of me, right? Which is a, a lovely um, human touch, a very Peter, very Petrine moment, swinging from one pendulum to the other. Yes, yeah. And uh, so also on... On Monday, Thursday, we have the institution of, of the Lord's Supper, and uh, the the epistle reading is is from First Corinthians, where we have the words of institution. So it's interesting that Paul is the one who includes these words, um, and this is First Corinthians eleven twenty three through twenty six. Paul wrote, "For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said." This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is of the new is the is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And uh, uh, that's a significant thing that we remember on Monday Thursday is the institution of this Lord's Supper, this perpetual feast, um, this continuing sacrament um, of, of praise and thanksgiving and remembrance um, that, that, that Jesus has left for us. And Kirk, I'll let you comment on that before we um, talk about the closing of, of the service, which is very powerful. Yes. Uh, so there are altars all across the English-speaking world um, that have lovingly, beautifully carved in them, uh, this do in remembrance of me. And, uh, and um, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've been curious about that for a while. Um, and uh, I've, I've looked in the, in the King James, I'm assuming it's an acronistic language. And so I've looked in the King James and, um, and it's, it's interesting. Jesus says, uh, or th those words are in four different places. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, and then in St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians there. Um, but, in, but in the two lessons this year in the Luke's account of the Lord's Supper and in 1 Corinthians, in the King James, has the inverted, this do ye <laughs> as oft as ye drink of it in remembrance of me. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fun, interesting residue of our older documents, right? Our older prayer books and, and our older Bibles. Um, because, uh, and it's still there, carved into stone and wood. Um, and and, and I, I, I smile and it's, it's great. Um, but uh, the first Corinthians passage in the King James um, uh, do, doesn't just say this do ye. It, the, the way the phrases are set up, it says this do ye as oft as ye drink of it in remembrance of me. Um, yeah, so that's 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 not a super profound thought, but it's a but it's a, an, an observation that that um, I notice as things pass by. The other thing I wanted to say about Monday Thursday is it, it's interesting. Um, our, our, what's our liturgical color of that day? What do, what do we wear on that day? Uh, well, on what it's, what's interesting is is Palm Sunday. It's it's ox blood. It's, ox it's, blood. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and and that continues um, until Easter, which is. Or, or wait, is it purple? Does it turn back to purple? It's white or gold. Oh, interesting. And that is because there 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 are two kind of directions you can go in um, in the tenor in the tone, of that service. You can make it either a feast day, which is the institution of Holy Communion, celebrate that as kind of the institution of Holy Communion, or you can emphasize the more tender aspects of it, right? Jesus' last moments with his, with his disciples as he's washing the feet. And I think, Christopher, often in our tradition, I, I think we do a good job of, of, of kind of both. Um, particularly, it's interesting, we have an interim rector right now, and uh, in the music that he's selected, he's really focusing everything we're singing on Monday, Thursday, is going to be about the institution of the Lord's Supper. So we're really celebrating that and less of kind of the tender last, if you love me, keep my commandments, kind of the, the last parting parting words to his disciples. Um, uh, but do we want to talk, did you have words about um, the close, how the powerful close of that service? Yeah, so the, the service closes quite differently than other Eucharistic services. Uh, so essentially, most services, uh, sort of special services, have their differences uh, leading up to Holy Communion. But once Holy Communion starts, 
um, they're essentially the same. That's whether it's so it's a, if it's a baptism, you change the beginning of the liturgy, but then you continue with the Eucharist. Um, same thing with with many other services. But um, on Monday Thursday, uh, it closes with the stripping of the altar uh, and the and silent departure, which uh, liturgically is is a powerful thing. As you sit mm. there and, and watch, um, it's in silence. Um, you know, kneeling or sitting often darkened often. Yeah. Often in a darkened, um, uh, building. Um, and you watch, uh, slowly it being, um, uh, stripped and, um, and depending on tradition, uh, you may see the cross shrouded mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and, uh, and then there's no dismissal. Um, you know, usually our services, we don't just end, we don't just say, bye, we're done, you can go now, which is what some non-liturgical churches do. Uh, people are usually dismissed. Um, let us go forth in the name of God. Thanks be to God. Um, but on this service, there is a silent departure, which is a little bit awkward, but what it does is it signifies Christ's abandonment. Yeah. And it kind of leaves you uh, with this kind of emotional... Uh, it's, it's, it, it cliffhanger it's, it's cliffhanger and it sticks with you. Yeah. And it's because <laughs> this is such a nerdy liturgical point. The service isn't over. Mm, right. The triduum, the three days, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday have just begun. Right. And we will not get, as you said, um, a dismissal until Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, it's, it's interesting. Um, I've often said, I don't know if I've said it here, Christopher. I should say it here more often. Um, liturgical church is children's church. Um, I, I think a lot of adults in evangelicalism um, maybe, maybe carelessly assume that um, liturgical churches poorly catechize children. And I, I kind of strongly disagree with that. Um, my, for my children, watching them observe Monday Thursday with shock and horror on their face, um, it, the, the media is the message, right? It very powerfully, physically plays out the abandonment. Um, mm -hmm. And the front of the church looks shocking uh, once everything's removed. Um, I mean, we, uh, we use so banners and everything's yeah, removed. It's yeah. all gone. Everything that's not nailed to the floor is gone. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, um, so it's, uh, my children talk about it. Uh, they talk about, it. they talk about, it. and, um, they're able to connect, um, as, as children are concrete, right. And they're able to connect in very concrete ways. What is happening with the passion narrative and they all fled and they all fled. Yeah. 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 Should we move on to Good Friday? Yeah. Yeah. So Good Friday, uh, it's it's interesting how you know we're accustomed to working Fridays. So usually there's an evening service, but it's also common to have a a, a midday service. Uh, traditionally, we we look at uh, three o'clock as as when Christ died, and so um, some churches sort of have a tr have a three o'clock service, which is an odd time to have a service, but. Um, uh, th that's when our, for instance, our cathedral has, has a service, uh, and there's a second service, which, um, I would just commend you to, to Google. It's called the way of the cross or stations of the cross, which is also acceptable to do Fridays during Lent, but it's a devotional practice. It's quite old, um, that kind of looks at, 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 um, the, 
path Jesus took, not his life, but like on that day on Good Friday, um, the, the, the different stops of the cross. And some of those are in the Bible and some of those are traditional. And so it's just an interesting thing to Google, uh, the way of the cross or stations of the cross. But the Good Friday liturgy itself has a, a couple of, of, of significant segments. Um, we have the solemn collects and we have uh, the veneration of the cross. Kirk, do you want to tackle um, either of these? Oh, oh gosh. Uh, no. to, to our, okay, how about this? How about this? No, to, to the Protestants, <laughs> um, shall we talk about what it means to venerate oh, yeah, the yeah. cross? Um, well, actually, I mean, this, this would kind of horrify our our, our, our very like thoughtful, very Protestant listeners. Um, in many liturgical traditions, um, uh, people are encouraged to kiss the crucifix. <laughs> and um, I mean, the, 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 the entire point of Good Friday is that- I mean, cross or crucifix. So right, the, right, difference, right. Be, the difference between crucifix um, actually depicts Christ on the right, cross. Right, And, and, some, well, and will have, some churches will have and that. Catholics will have that as a very like spiky, provocative point is that yes mm -hmm. jesus on the cross but yeah but then then i mean it's like so like the like either is acceptable and 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 like right. uh crucifix might be more artistically beautiful but just a, a plain cross usually is, is like got, got like splinters sticking out and like right. it, it emphasizes the rugged nature of, of this right. of this device of of, of execution and that, that in fact was it this humiliating right. um painful uh um and drawn out thing yeah. you know well i mean i have a i have a point that i like to make <laughs> which is we should take our cue from the name of good friday it's not tragic friday or regrettable friday or even solemn friday though it is a solemn day it is good friday and it represents one of the great victories for us i mean it, re it not represents it is the victory of christ over satan um because uh, the moment at which Satan is defeated is the moment at which the Lamb of God spills his blood as the propitiation for the sins of the world. Um, that was the point. That was the goal. And he has crossed the finish line. Um, and, uh, and so it is good. The cross is good. The cross is our life. It's our health. Um, it is our redemption uh, from sin and the power of the devil. It is, it is the devil's defeat and the end of the devil's power over us. Um, so I, I don't know if that's precisely what you're getting at. Um, I did not have the service pulled up and that was an error oh, that's of okay. mine, Christopher. Do you wanna talk a little bit about the solemn colleagues? Well, one thing I like, we're not doing it this year, we haven't done it in a while, is the reproaches, but that's a, that's a different matter. Yeah, go ahead, T tell us about the veneration of the cross and the solemn colleagues. Yeah, well, I, I, I wanna, also attack something onto what you just said you know you mentioned that it's good but we also like we hold that intention with the idea that that like of what paul wrote that remember that you're um bought for a price mm -hmm. yes um and so like we we want to um hold both those things that, yes. that it is good um but it was costly and uh, i think you mentioned something in recent weeks about how uh that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people so so uh, sometimes on good friday they jump to easter yeah. Um, yeah. Where they, where they, um, where we don't want to, during our service, we don't really, like, we just hold with the discomfort yep. of, of the death. We don't jump to say, oh, but he was raised. Um, and it's good news that in two days, you know, in three days, um, he, he will rise from the dead. No, no, like we, no, we, there's, you're right. There's no pivot away from the crucifixion, yeah. beginning, middle and end. It is entirely the crucifixion of Christ, right? We do not end 
um, sending sending people out with Easter greetings. No, you're you're precisely correct about that. Um, but for the believer, for whom Jesus is your Lord and Savior, for whom the cross is a beautiful thing because it represents your life, your health, your salvation, <laughs> the promise of your resurrection, um, it is not uh, it. It's not ugly and uncomfortable in a way that squirms and causes your your your, your eyes to be averted, um, but rather in quiet, in a quiet and solemn way, we sit with quietly grateful hearts. How's that? Would you? Can we say it that way, Christopher? Yeah, yeah. And I so mean, it's it, a dark day. It's a spare day. Our, our 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 churches are dark, are spare. They're still stripped. There's no holy communion. Um, we don't, we don't celebrate. We don't sing a lot. Some, some churches don't sing at all, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's common to, to ha use no in musical instruments or bells on the that day. The church is dark. And of course the altar is still stripped. Mm -hmm. um, before we get too far away, I, I do want to mention, you know, just the simple, the veneration of the cross, just um, what it is and what it isn't. Of course, like um, what it is, is it's, it's just a, stark reminder to us of the of the grittiness of of the physical death of jesus there's nothing metaphorical about it um th that he physically died his blood bled out um and uh and so that that's what the the devote well we, i guess we don't call it reverence uh it's devotion before the cross yes and it says a wooden cross may now be brought into the church and placed inside of the people and um different churches, different traditions. Um, it's common in our cathedral church for them to process the cross around mm -hmm. and then for people to come forward. And like you said, kiss it, uh, to touch it, to pray before it. And, um, usually this is a, a lengthy drawn out time at our cathedral church of people, um, touching it, praying over it, of holy water being, um, being used of, of healing of like, this is a time of healing prayer. Yes. Um, as people come forward, Amen. just, just burdened by sin and, um, and, and those things the devil is still tormenting them of, of, of them receiving, of them seeing that and recognizing yeah. it and coming forward. And um, God has done some, uh, I, I've heard so many powerful testimonies of this service from our cathedral church that it's, it's just something that, that um, we're a young church and we're just starting to get into our DNA. Um, and unfortunately, we're not going to do that this year just because we are in the middle of a pandemic. And that, that part of it is kind of a high contact thing. Right. Um, and so we're not going to be doing that, but I just want to read a little bit from our prayer. Book. I love that you guys do that. We have not built that into our DNA. That's great. Yeah. And, and, um, I witnessed that at, uh, um, <laughs> so I get to, uh, fly our charismatic flag here that, oh, that, that oh, our diocese oh. is, a, is a charismatic <laughs> diocese. And, um, so even when I talked about the Palm Sunday, uh, video, from uh, that our cathedral put out, you'll see like people waving those little streamers that charismatic churches do, mm -hmm. because that's just like part of them. And so this was at a um, our our, uh, our uh, diocese um, our at our synod meeting essentially, um, which is like it's called revive. So if it does if that doesn't sound charismatic, like I don't know You're what. Right. So um. Uh, there's a spontaneous procession of, of the cross. Um, and then I, like, I, I had heard stories of people of, of good Friday. And then I witnessed this in October of, of people coming forward and weeping before the cross and touching it. And, and, and the Bishop walking around with holy water and praying for people. And, and um, it was just amazing to witness um, um, something like what, what I had heard about so many times of, of um, 
like my my dean um uh came back to the faith at that service and has a really powerful oh, sort wow. of testimony um from that at that at that very church that 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 happened that he had, had that god had reached to him in a dream and he wasn't a believer and he came to that service and suddenly like god acted and um he came back to the faith um and now is is the dean of 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 um of our deanery which is um actually he's he's going to be named archdeacon but that's another story um I'm going to read from a prayer book. The Lord of life. I'm sorry. The bare stark appearance of the church serves as a reminder of the solemnity and sorrow of the day. The Lord of life was rejected, mocked, scourged, and then put to death on the cross. The faithful are reminded of the role which their own sin played in this suffering and agony as Christ took all sin upon himself in obedience to his father's will. By the cross, we are redeemed, set free from bondage to sin and death. The cross is a sign of God's never-ending love for us. It is a sign of life in the midst of death. Mm. That is lovely. Christopher, we are, we're, we're going to be running up against it in terms of time. Do you have a few thoughts on Holy Saturday? Your Easter vigil. Uh, so uh, Holy Saturday, uh, also known as the Great Sabbath, right, mm -hmm. uh, is a very short and stark service of like, um, on this day, there's you know there's to be no celebration of the Eucharist on this day. This like we acknowledge that Christ was in the grave, dead as a doornail, and um, uh, but uh, the the Great Vigil, the Easter Vigil, is is something that that if you're not uh, Anglican or Catholic, you are probably unfamiliar with. So uh, I'll let you, um, this is something I know that you look forward to. You bring mm. Bryden each year to this, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Um, so this, this can be, if you do everything in the service, uh, the longest service you'll ever go to, it, it can easily <laughs> go three hours. Um, and, and our, I'll interrupt here to say our cathedral does a legitimate all night vigil. Yep. Yep. And, and me, I, and I, I'll even say, I think cathedrals should, yeah. there should be some place where Christians are waiting until 1201 AM and going through, because this is what we do. Christopher, do you remember in Lord of the Rings when uh, the, at some point Treebeard, the answer asked um, why they speak so slowly. And Treebeard says something like, I, I'm going to mess this up, but this, I, I analogize this, um, analogize this, the, the Easter vigil. Um, uh, it takes a long time to say, uh, anything worth saying or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Well, the name Christian is such a short name to say what it is we are. Well, the Easter vigil is the one time a year where we take um, the entire night to say our name. Um, and we start with the fall. Uh, we go through the flood, Abraham. <laughs> there are readings all throughout Old Testament, the Valley of Dry Bones. We, entel, we tell the entire story um, and we sit in darkness with candles and I've been at a service, Christopher, at the cathedral the, the, the night that I was confirmed where my candle went out, like it, it was down and it was a nub and then it went out because I was like, I guess, under a fan or under a duct or something. Um, and then at some point, and if it's done right, and if you're going to do it the long way, it's you turn the lights on and ring the bells and pivot to Easter at 1201. And I've never been at a service that does that because, you know real life is happening. Um, but um, in any case, it then it pivots to the lights come on, the bells come on, the organ comes on, and we say that A word, right? We begin to sing, and suddenly 
we we sing alleluias, right? Which I haven't been saying that much this Lent because we've buried our alleluias. Um, and I go to bed and I take my oldest son home after we, we take Holy Communion um, for the first time since Thursday. Um, and you can choose to fast from Thursday. Uh, that's kind of a hard ask, but or you can maybe eat limited food. But there should be a sense of release, right? Celebration, mm -hmm. right? Our hearts spread, like leap forth with joy. Um, and uh, you I mean, it's it's the, the <laughs> you know it's a celebration of Easter. That's what yeah. the whole forty days have been preparing. Yeah, for. you go home tired. And I, Christopher, I I think there was. Did I tell you this a couple of years ago? It was twenty nineteen. I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't eaten all day and, uh, yet, uh, like I was kind of dizzy with, um, with, with, with hunger and, and then with the joy of singing and, uh, we went downstairs and I had like two slices of cake and a glass of champagne and like, that was about as happy as I had been in a long time, just with mm. like the sense of like the Lord's praises on my lips, having had Holy Communion. I mean, kind of, kind of being hungry and just kind of Lent is a slog. It's a slog. And I went home tired, but, but like happy. And then I woke up early the next morning, ready for Easter. And it's just, it's, it's a happy service for me because of the kind of the patterns in my life. And it's the memory of my confirmation and all that stuff. And um, I'm out of time. <laughs> Any final thoughts before we pray? No. Uh, I mean, do, do you want to uh, have a final thought on your confirmation? Uh, no, I was just, just I was threw confirmed, that out there. Okay. Yeah. I was confirmed into the Episcopal Church by by uh, um, a saintly, godly man um, at the cathedral at this service, um, kind of with. Um, very, very soon after, within a, within a year or two of kind of coming into adult faith, being renewed in faith after kind of lapsing during my college years, um, I have very happy memories about all those things. And it's all wrapped up for me in this service um, with Easter joy. And so I love it for that. It has happy memories. Mm -hmm. And like you, like you brought up, it now has happy memories. It's kind of a bonding thing for me and my oldest son. And as my other sons get older, I'm going to start to br bring them into it as well. It's a late service, but it's, it's meaningful. So we should wrap up in prayer. Let's pray. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, in your tender love for us, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and come to share in his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk, where we will celebrate... No, we won't. Uh, we'll be talking about it, like prematurely. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Have a great week. You too.